and gravy. <laughs> Former Milan and Italian coach Arrigo Sacchi once said, football is the most important of the least important things in life. Bill Shankly may have said, some people think that football is a matter of life and death, and I don't like that attitude. I can assure them it's much more serious than that. And Alex Ferguson exclaimed, football, bloody hell. What do we say then of two chaps who have dedicated the last three years to not the physical pursuit of playing the beautiful game, but the mental marathon of breaking down match after match through the lens of their beloved Sheffield Wednesday. With an average episode length of 91 minutes, these 149 episodes account for over 226 hours of gravy content. So thick, you could stand a spoon in it. So here it is, episode 150. The end is near. We face the final curtain. And without further ado... Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, I've just spent 10 days basking in his delightful company and the soupy emissions from his little butt, your friend of mine, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. I'm good. Of course, of course, we know like it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun trip, Rich, but you know, I I understand, Rich, that it's, um, it's not, it's not your favorite type of trip because... What is Richard Miller's favourite type of trip? I'm intrigued to find out. Well, the answer is Da Cruche. Oh, Da Cruche. <laughs> That's right. A callback to a weak joke that we had <laughs> in here. So I'm doing very well, Rich, and that was a lot of fun. Um, before we get started, Rich, um, I just I've got a I've got a, something to send over to you. So um, I'm just going to be sending something over to your to your WhatsApp. Very, very shortly. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. It's downloading. Let's do this. Let's uh let's try playing it through the old speaker. Hey, what's going on? My name's Chris Gethard. This message is for Rich. This cameo has been booked for you by Luke Rich. And and I want you to know I'm out here on the beach. Which I think we can all agree is my natural habitat. Just standing on a sunny beach in the blazing hot sun. That's probably me at my most natural and relaxed and where it feels like I belong. Hey, Rich, guess what? Luke wants to thank you for being a great friend. Says he has a great time hosting the podcast with you. Hear that the podcast is coming to an end. That's a bummer. But I want you to know that your buddy thinks you're a great friend and you brought so much to the table. And uh, he wants to thank you for your friendship helping them out with a different gravy podcast. So on my end, it's a privilege and an honor to take a minute or so out of my very natural feeling beach beach extravaganza, which I think, again, when you look at me, I think I scream, hey, this is a guy who feels natural on the beach. And uh, But that's okay. You're not breaking up the party. I'm still going to have a lot of fun out here in the sun where I feel good and where I belong. So anyway, Rich, 
Thanks for being such a good friend, Luke. Congratulations on the great run with the podcast. You boys talked about soccer a lot, brought the heat, and uh, I'm going to go get back to the heat here at the beach where I feel great. <laughs> what a treat. The marvelous uh, Chris Gethard, who, for those who don't know, is a fiendishly pale and uh, non beach type uh, in his nature. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a great comedian, Chris Gethard, in particular, his career. So it's very funny, and it also had an emotional punch. Oh, thanks for that, Luke. What a treat. Oh, well, I, I feel it was uh, something that's kind of... The many things that we've kind of bonded over. I mean, it feels like mm. someone someone apt for that. And um, also, that's that's not all, Rich. There's, uh, if you check your phone, there is something else for you as well. This keeps coming. Oh, my word. <laughs> Well, now I feel really bad. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you. You didn't bring anything to the table. There's no were celebrities. You, you, but Rich, you did. So there we go. I, look, I looked up some football quotes. I, I was hoping you'd be quite pleased at that. <laughs> oh, I was. That was an epic intro for the last episode. So thank you. So what we have now is, uh, well, an absolute hero. Uh, let's let's just hit play and, and, go, and go with this. Uh, hi, uh, Richard. Um, this is from, uh, obviously, um, Luke, who's got me to um, say how much he appreciates um, what you've done for the podcast, uh, the Wednesday podcast. Um, yeah, I had uh, four great years at Wednesday. Fantastic club. Um, support is very, very loyal. Um, got to say, out of my career, um, they were very, very special. Um, but he just wants to thank you how much you've you've helped him and he appreciates what you've done um, with this podcast and obviously it's coming to an end I, I believe um, so uh, yeah he just wants to make a massive thank you to you um, uh, obviously I'm uh, ex-Sheffy Wednesday um, as I said what a great club you know when you play with Hurst Sheridan um Carlton Palmer, uh, oh, listen, we had so many good players, great changing room, what a team. Um, I thought we brought a smell to everybody's face when we Wednesday. Um, I don't know if the, them years will ever come back. Um, I hope so. Um, let's hope they can get out of League One. Um, and then, you know, things might happen. But um, I was very lucky to play the team. Um, which were at their peak, basically, at their time. So, um, yeah. But uh, this is a massive thank you um, for you to um, really does appreciate what you did um, for the podcast. So I wish you all the well, all the best, sorry. And uh, we're all Wednesday, aren't we, at the end of the day? Ah, uh, the waddler. <laughs> yeah, I haven't drafted in any celebrity friends to do this, Luke, but I must say I absolutely appreciate all that you've brought to the table as well through these, these Thanks, low, these last three years. Ah, um, uh, Chrissy Waddle. What a guy. I like the humbleness of sort of saying like, oh, I, and yeah, of course, I, I'm Chris Waddle. I played for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know, Chris. We know. <laughs> like, should he introduce himself? I'm like, no, probably not. <laughs> it's nice that he even has the thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many distractions over the past few weeks is um, I got had the absolute pleasure of uh, seeing young Harry Styles uh at his first stadium gig in Glasgow. And uh, he, uh, you know, with the gathered, 
tens of thousands. I believe there was about 50,000 people there. And he started off his gig by saying, hi, I'm Harry. And uh, that's that's a very cute way to start things. <laughs> like, like, like you might be there and not know. <laughs> oh, well, lovely. Oh, that's so good. And um, things to cherish, things to keep, things to keep, uh, keep and cherish. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Um, should we start a little bit by just so we we sort of made the um, the big announcement? We did, yes. Uh, at the end of the previous episode, and mm-hmm. uh, we will go. Thank you so much for your messages, and uh, as a result of that, we will we will um, we'll, we'll go through uh, as many of them as we possibly can towards the end of today's episode. But is it worth having a bit more explanation as to why this is? Uh, I, I think it's probably worth saying we, we will sort of reiterate this later, but it's uh, maybe worth keeping different gravy in your feed. There might be things in the future. There might be sort of special episodes and things like that, but certainly as a weekly entity, this is, this is the end of different gravy as it, as it stands. Ephony. Um, Ephony. Um, fondue podcaster. <laughs> That's the French say. That's exactly what they say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I I think it's something that we've talked about a few times. I I think it is quite funny as well. Maybe there's also a bit of a a fun little kind of matchup that I noticed when we were chatting mm. in person on our our trip. It was like, oh, we we sat next to each other for three seasons. Um, had season six, three seasons, and then the podcast has done three seasons. Yeah. So that's that's a nice little kind of mini connection. But I I, I think it was a weird thing that so we've I, I don't know i feel like we've talked about this in person but we can talk about it here like we started doing this obviously prior to the pandemic the pandemic mm-hmm. happened and i think that kind of with the new with the novelty and the to it all <clears throat> kind of kept everything going for us and yes. it kind of gave us a reason to just keep staying connected and uh we did that but i, I mean probably the realization I found for myself is like a lot of things in life. I push myself pretty hard with things. Yeah. And uh, that first season we, we did, we had a lot of fun and we did a lot of new, interesting yeah. things. And I thought we did like some themed episodes, which I'm really proud of, like mm. getting through and getting talking about our own kind of favorite goals yeah. and some of the watch alongs and the documentary reviews we did. And um, we, yeah, we didn't stop when the season stopped, did we? Like the, the so football stopped. And we kept we going. kept going, yeah. And in the end, we did fifty episodes. So we basically did one, nearly one a week for 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 nearly the whole year, basically. Yeah. And then we had a break before it came because football had the weird. That was awful. That was just it was so bad. Like the whole, especially the whole like, oh, you can play into the summer, but those players that you have out of contracts. Yeah. Then you're just gonna have to re- renegotiate new little playing deals with them. That was yeah. crap. That really, really, really all. We may as well have just, just cancelled the seat. I don't know why that happened. But anyway, it did. So we kept going. And then obviously the teams came back earlier to get going because of... So the players didn't really have... Uh, the only break they had, obviously, was, I guess, a lockdown break that we all had. But that wasn't yeah. that wasn't much of a break, let's be honest. No. <laughs> so we were, we were back at it and... Um, and I think we also kind of pushed ourselves to get to that milestone of 50 episodes for the first season. Mm. And so we came back, we did the second year. Then obviously it just felt like 
that was poised deduction. We were up against it. That was that was a pretty shitty season. Yes, it was yes. a pretty droll season. Things kind of came back and opened up. This year, uh, this year has been weird. Um, it's been it it hasn't been a, it's been a pretty good season, despite the fact that it hasn't yeah. been successful. Um, but I think that added to our own kind of personal lives and things opening back up again. I think it it just feels like time for us to take some time to go and do the things that we've missed. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you, I, I, I hear longingly and uh, <laughs> about all the fun things that Rich gets to do gig wise, but I don't get that in <laughs> Canada, but in my own personal thing as well, it's like, I've probably, people probably picked up on the podcast and were pretty damn into disc golf last year. So there's been a lot of occasions of me having to turn friends down to, do this commitment so yeah i i think it's it's just been that i think we've uh, i don't know i feel we've we've pushed to get to this milestone so yeah i've been really grateful for getting to those points but um no wow. it's not time yeah <laughs> it's not yeah and i mean so, um yeah emotion yeah it, it is emotional it's not been an easy decision but um yeah i th- i absolutely just echo the same thing i i think it's it's interesting because I think so we had lockdown, which did make things easier because you were just glad for glad for the interaction. <laughs> it's nice to to have that, and there wasn't other things drawing on your time um, or our time. Um, and um, and I think also that second year, <laughs> the football was terrible, and you kind of and it obviously it was a relegation season, and you kind of like, well, when we're playing better, it will be easier to do this, and. <laughs> I think possibly the hardest episode we had was when we like beat Oxford 2-0 last season because nothing happened in the second there was nothing to talk about in the second half. And it's sort of like actually this is it's not that easy even when things are going well. Um so it it didn't the football got better but the the kind of the I don't know. I, I don't want to this is something we've chosen to do ourselves and broadly we've enjoyed doing so mm. I don't want to kind of play a, too much of a violin but um it's just felt increasingly difficult to to find the energy and space for the podcast this yeah i i mean like i mean other wednesday podcasts have had podcasters i'm like why are they why are they not doing it and it's just life happens and i don't know Mm. people people get a bit burnt out so at the risk of not wanting to and i i really don't want to end it like you know again that completionist nature of me pushing myself i don't want to like end this mid-season that would just be that wouldn't be good and and i also like the idea of just saying goodbye and just having that that kind of moment rather than just dropping things and then just being like now we're fucking done or just you're not hearing from us yeah so we're two guys that love podcasts bonded over podcasts um just one of the first things that we kind of enthusiastically talked about outside of football was wtf and um joe rogan at the time laughably um although neither <laughs> i don't think either of us watched listen to either of those but particularly not joe rogan anymore um uh, so it's been fun to do a, to do it and the, the great thing about a podcast is you don't need anybody to say okay to you just can do it and um I mean, it all kind of happened in an ad hoc manner. We talked about it, talked about it, and then we were like, okay, we're doing it then. Um, and uh, it's, so it's been a really fun thing to do. I don't want to get to the point where it doesn't feel fun and we're kind of slogging ourselves through things. And there's been a few occasions this season where it's felt like that. And yeah. 
Um, I do, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to, I think looking back on 150 episodes, we probably will hit 55,000 downloads sometime between now and, and, the, and the end of the month. Um, it's quite a nice achievement. And as you say, the kind of, uh, the kismet of <laughs> being three years of the podcast, three seasons, uh, three seasons of the podcast, three seasons of sitting together as uh, season ticket holders. It just kind of all feels like a, a confluence of landmarks that um, just feels like a nice point to put a cap on things. Uh, so as I say, this is, it's, uh, we're really thankful that anybody has listened. We're still amazed that other people have listened. Um, the, we've been absolutely overwhelmed uh, and it was nice to be together as those um, those messages were coming in uh, last week. Um, so uh, thank you for, for that. Thank you for your time and listening. And um, uh, and as I touched on at the top of the, the podcast, you know, um, folks who've been with us since the start have spent more than a week with us of their time. So uh, thank you for your dedication. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, but thank you for that. Um, I, pr- I appreciate it. However you are wrong, I feel I feel I share that wrongness with you. So thanks so much for that. Um, shall we move along to the final hoo-hoos? Let's do that. I've got to get WhatsApp off my phone now and uh, get put something else on my phone. Breaking hoo-hoos. Breaking hoo-hoos. The final breaking hoo-hoos. That's a lot to get into. We were we were moaning on the previous podcast that nothing had happened. What a difference a couple of weeks make in mm. uh, in Wednesday world. Uh, thankfully, we're not a Man United podcast because they've not signed anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lots of signings to talk about, and uh, we know the future of a couple of players that were offered contracts as well towards the end mm. of the season. But do you want to just tackle it one by one as they as they Fell, it fell into our laps. That sounds great. So we had uh, we had Hennigan come through first, the uh, Wimbledon centre back, former Wimbledon centre back. I don't. I must confess, we played them twice last season. I don't really remember no. him making a, a mark on me. <laughs> but um, good, good size, good age, League One pedigree, mm-hmm. um, and you'd hope, if anything, Darren Moore has a eye for a centre-back scene as he spent his whole uh, life sort of man and boy as a as a centre-back himself. Any any more to it than that? Um, I mean, also, like, you know, a player... I mean, it's the interesting kind of stat that comes from, like, it's, it's that world of um, the struggling team in the Premier League who you've probably heard of. It's like, oh, the keeper makes so many saves. Yes. It's like, yeah, it's because the team is shit and he's under so much cost. Yes, yes. Like, so he does pretty well. It's, it, you know, he's basically he's someone is a custodian it? who's is, make sure it's not 6-0 every week. But maybe in a weird way, there's there's like kind of comparison to Ben Hennigan because he's making a lot of clearances for yeah. a relegated side who were very much, you know, again, under the cosh for, for last season, but seemingly very well esteemed and very well liked. By Wimbledon, so there is there is that element to kind mm. of to keep in mind is that he's uh, he's someone that they really wanted to keep, but obviously with going down a level, kind yeah. of as a player of a standard to say no, I'm a I'm a pretty comfortable League One performer. So 
And, you know, maybe that's what we need as well. And someone who's been said he's very much an old school defender. And uh, maybe maybe this is a correction to say that Wednesday historically, I think as far as we've done the podcast, and I think maybe a few years previous to this as well, we've sometimes gone for the kind of the very upmarket cosmopolitan, a budget cosmopolitan defender who sometimes you wish would just do the basics very well. So yeah, yeah, maybe that's, that's a, it it sounds promising. Yeah. I think old schools, the old school as in terms of center backs is uh, one of the few areas where that's a positive rather than a negative. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Former, uh, he did, he did, uh, he did have some time at Sheffield United, but he never played a game for them in three years. He played one. He didn't play a league game. I think he played a league league cup game or something. Yeah. So very, very much pangs of Danny Bart. Yes. Which, know. not the worst, if, if that continues, not the worst thing. He, he had a very fine uh, season with us at, uh, at Hillsborough, didn't he, uh, mm-hmm. Danny Bart? Mm-hmm. And uh, a, prod- a Chester product, which oh, there there you go. many of those kicking around the, uh, the football leagues. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you often uh, go on Football Manager and just search for... <laughs> So is there is there a is there a filter for Chester product? <laughs> Four you players. It. You have to download it from a really skeezy website. Chester products. Um, <laughs> so, that, but but I think I think one of the there's a few signings that sort of fit the bill here. But I think one of the refrains last season was we were a, we looked like a good Championship side, but we could do with a bit of League One. Mm. You know, grit in our well, grit in our. Belly. Kind of thing. You that's know. that's really funny because I think I was looking at I was trying to look at the kind of derby situation as I was on Al's talk doing a bit of a post because people are talking about so Derby have recently just been taken over, right? And uh and with that they have promised lots of players waiting in the wings to come in. Right. So now I know they have barely any players, so it's it they need to add a whole ton of they need to add like a dozen players to their yes. squad. And then obviously they're getting started around now, so that's not the best situation. But uh, they were kind of linked with Waza has gone indeed. So they were linked with like who is it? Like um, James Chester. Speaking of Chester, oh yes, and (laughs) funnily enough, not a Chester product. Not a Chester product. (laughs) Nominative determinism means he should have been. He uh, should have been. Yeah, he dodged that particular bullet. Neither, neither is uh, neither is Rolling Stone writer Rob Sheffield from Sheffield. <laughs> oh, no. So there we go. There you go. Um, <laughs> and but also like they looked at apparently Mendes Lang, who obviously turned down hilariously, oh, yeah. and also also very funny Wildsmith, who's turned down our offer, is apparently lined up to be the number one. Wow, be funny. But they're also Connor Connor Horahan, of course. Who's apparently from his release from Villa, which is is quite a strange one. Um, but somebody made the comment on the Derby forum said, I'd be happy with those signings in the championship, let alone League One. Oh, and yeah. this is this is really um this is very much deja vu. You know, those yeah. words are coming back to my ears. So yeah, yeah, very much a mentality of you can have a championship side in League One, but it might not be successful. No, because they've got to win games in League One. That's the tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So anyway, just a little kind of wee comparison, especially when they're coming down. They're coming down in a mess, much similar to us coming down in a mess. Yes. 
cucking a snook at uh, <laughs> one of our potential rival <laughs> rivals for next season and not really liking what we're what we're cocking. Um right. <laughs> next to sign was David Stockdale. Speaking of number ones. Mm. Um and by that I don't mean that he's like a golden shower guy. I mean like he might be our number one goalkeeper um uh, going forward. Um so a ripe old age. Yeah. If I had a stack of chips to say I'm putting a bet on Hennigan, it is this poker, and you're opposite me. How many and you are representing the stack of chips that is Stockdale? Does the well monitor kind of match, or is it slightly off, or is it is it? Are you are you uh, raising me? Are you well raising monitor. me over? It's it's such a, it's such a tricky one because if he was five years younger, I think I'd be Stockdale would be would be ticking the well monitor. Mm. Nice, nice few ticks on the oh, on the uh, positive column of the well monitor at thirty six, and by the time yeah. we most of the season he's going to be thirty seven. I just hold. I hope all the pieces hold together. <laughs> so, so the the recent um, I think Twitter trend is to say he or she's a ten, but so yes. you know he's a League One Golden Glove record keeper. Yeah, but he's David Stockdale and he's thirty six, <laughs> and I think he's, he's turning thirty seven very shortly as well. It's not like but yeah, September, but early September. Oh no, it's twentieth of September is his birthday. Right, it's around it's around my birthday. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's uh, he has a hilarious website, by the way. People who have not checked out his website, oh good, it's an absolute David Brent style joy. Partridge meets David Brent style joy. And it's very hard to tell whether he's in on the joke. Yeah. I suspect he's not. I, I love the bit about like, it, it was it going into like punditry and it's like, mm. he, he, yeah, he can have an opinion on women's football. <laughs> Pay him enough. He'll say literally anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're pimping your services on LinkedIn or like, you know, some, some, some kind of, uh, I don't know, Upwork or something like this, or Fiverr, and then just be the end of it again. I'll pretty much do anything that you yeah, ask, yeah, you know? Yeah. I, I, think, mm. I think with Stockdale, obviously, let's take, if you try and ignore the, the age thing, he's had a very fine season for one of our rivals, mm. a direct rival. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've weakened an, uh, a team that will probably be contending again next season although it'd be interesting to see how well Wickham do because that was they were the only squad that was older than us on average so um how many of their players are kind of aging out retiring etc um but he's a wily old dog he's really good at time wasting he's really good at game management um I got Mm. the feeling he's probably We've we've referenced several times Stephen Bywater and Stephen Bywater left Wednesday and I think played for another like ten years at a good level. <laughs> Gone when he was at Wednesday, um, but his, Stephen Bywater worked because he manned his defence doggedly. I think he was a good communicator. So the way Stephen Bywater kept clean sheets was people didn't get a shot off on Stephen yeah. Bywater. And, he couldn't and- move. And Bywater was good at orchestrating Clem to be have some sandwiches thrown or paddled on him as well. Exactly, exactly. 
I'm just trying to. Uh, am I right there? So he left us in 2013. He played for a bit longer. I thought you were. Ju- I laughed. Years. I laughed because you said ten years. It was just, just like, oh, I don't know, ten years. But it was just sort of hilarious <laughs> overregging of of facts and stats and stuff. Yeah. So it was only it was only seven years to be fair. Okay. But, yeah. Um, played until he was 38. So you know, kind of uh, again, we're in that Stockdale territory. Um, so. Uh, I'm. It, he's not going to be as good as Bailey Peacock Farrell, I don't think. Nope. And I don't think the miraculous return of Cameron Dawson, who's the other sort of contender for that number one jersey. Uh, I'm sure he has had a great season in League Two. I'm sure he's come back confident. Maybe he's going to be a new man. He's not going to be as good as Bailey Peacock Farrell was. Uh, so either way, it feels we're slightly weakened in that goalkeeping position, unfortunately. Uh, but I just hope it's just by a bit rather than a lot. That's, yeah, I don't know. That That's one where I'm a little bit, that's that's the main thing on the Wellmometer is it's not going to be as good as last year, but maybe we had it too good. Yeah, I, I, I but I mean, I, I guess on the positives, like, you know, that background, obviously that last season, he's ours. Um, just to yeah. kind of link it with Hennigan, and there's an interesting link there because Wickham were a notoriously defensive side. Yes. So how much do you have to kind of look at that with a lens? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he gets a similar amount of clean sheets, but <clears throat> from the off, I, I kind of think he's not going to replicate that. Yeah. Exactly. No, because no. Mm. that's like, like under a Stuart Gray, everybody's first job was defending. And then if they could find some spare time on their schedule for a bit of, midfield or attacking work then that was that was nice but it wasn't necessary as long as you just got on with the defending Stuart was pretty happy mm-hmm. and that yeah Wickham's team was pretty much that wasn't it yeah we'll, we'll defend until the like 80th minute and then we'll send Akin Femmer on and hope that he does something <laughs> yeah um okay uh, more positive I think more wholly positive news uh Jack Hunt resigned. um he was one of the players that was out of contract. Ple- very pleasing news to have him back uh, back on board for the. Next and that time. that was the only offered contract that was signed, right? I think you're right. Yes, yeah. Because we had four, which was obviously Wildsmith. Yeah. Um, turned it down apparently for the bright lights of Pride Park. Um, <laughs> well, that's so. That's the next. We could take the two bits together because we offered those four contracts. We know that Mendes Lang, Luongo, and Wildsmith are going elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Luongo seemingly a bit surprised to find out that he'd turned down a contract um, in a deleted Instagram post. Yeah, and I think Mendes Lang did something similar as well. Did he? Luongo's been training with Reading, I believe. Yes. He's on trial yeah. with Interesting. Hmm. Reading have run out. They've done the classic. They've got no money, haven't they? They're, they're, they're yeah, like, yeah. And I, I think we're also in an interesting position because I think a lot of Wednesdayites are kind of banking that Zhao is going to be sold and that we're going to get a, uh, that is it 20% trying to knock on fee or something along those lines? Yeah. That, but then it seems like the annoying thing is they haven't sold him. If they have sold him, they haven't sold him at the right time. No, because so, now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. So I think Besiktas were offering like 3 million or something, which... Right. It's a little bit offensive. I think Zhao is worth probably at, at least double that, if not triple. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
but then they might be in a situation of doing a Wednesday and just being like, we need to keep him to keep us in the division because it's worth more to us to stay in the championship than to be relegated. So I don't yeah. know. We'll see what, so hopefully maybe something happens with that, but I don't think obviously the monies will kind of come into effect for a while for us. So we can just carry on doing our regular thing, um, our regular kind of transfer thing. But anyway, Jack Hunt, Jack Hunt, brilliant that he re-signed. Um, yeah. Interesting. That seemed to be like, we seem to say that like, I don't know. I called out one Twitter account, which seemed very vehement that he was going elsewhere. But I'm glad he's he's sticking around with us for another year. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. That's wholly positive news. He was mm. really good last season. Um, I've no doubt he'll be really good next season. And uh, nice to nice to have him on board again. Um, uh, the next signing was was Will Volks, which uh, is pretty kind of insane. Yeah, and I think it definitely, a, <clears throat> you know, again, to kind of weirdly include this and think back to, I mean, yeah, maybe a championship signing in League One. Yeah, uh, maybe link that to the other thing the Derby fans are talking about, but but a very very good one, you know, and yeah. one who had great great reputation at Rotherham. I think went and still did pretty deep good work at Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, and then was was pretty omnipresent for Cardiff last season so it's not like he's a player who's been out of favor and we're wondering oh. whether he has any injury problems he's he's been there he's done it he's been running in the the engine room and i mean to to think that luongo is gone and we've brought will volkson it's maybe you know i don't think he'd probably be as good as luongo but maybe he'd play, he'd play a lot more games than yeah, exactly luongo. That. so i think that is an improvement to be fair yeah no, I think that's. I think it's a really good signing. It's someone I think has has garnered admiring glances uh, at mm. times as a position player, um, a midfielder with a good engine, likes a tackle as well, which mm-hmm. again sounds sounds quite Luongo esque. It's something that would be miss would be missing if we didn't add it back in because it's not really Bannon's game. Um, Byers has has a bit of that he seems to be a bit of bit of an all-rounder but um it's nice to have someone that kind of relishes <laughs> that side of things and then uh, gets a few goals as well i mean throughout his career he's got a goal every 10 games pretty much uh for the teams he's played for which is again it's a positive it's a it's nice to add uh it's nice to add if we've got three guys in midfield that can get goals from time to time that's another another useful addition take some of the pressure off uh, the front men Mm. Um. Yeah. No. Good. Looks. Looks a good signing. Um. Michael's. Then we had this. The kind of two Michaels signing. Uh. In the same evening. Uh, late night signings. Uh. From local rivals, if not divisional rivals, Rotherham. Uh. And we we picked up Michael Smith and Michael Ihequa. Um. And I've never had more difficulty saying that name until now. But uh, Ihekwe, Ihekwe, Michael, <laughs> Michael too, Michael and the other Michael. I call them. Well, we won't have to be saying his name much longer. Hey, hey. hey. Um, I don't. Again, here, I don't. I, I don't. How often do you watch an opposition team and kind of go, "Oh, that centre back was really, really good." Um, mm. But I know that Michael Smith has been an absolute pain in the ass every time I've seen us play against him. Yeah. And um, quite exciting to have him on board. Um, 
exactly what we were missing so often last season is a is a kind of big awkward lump up front. There's so many positives to this. The big things I'm thinking about right now are the fact that we seem to know that from the transfer linkage previous to this, Darren Moore was after a big, useful handful unit of a striker yeah. up front. You know, someone who has a bit more kind of physical presence than Lee Gregory, as much as we love Gregory, but just he's, he does very well for his stature, Lee Gregory. But I think having someone who's a bit taller and a bit, bit more of that Billy target man is, mm. is something he's been after. So being in the market and even looking and thinking, should we get Jaden Stockley and hearing that Charlton were basically like, you don't have enough money to afford Jaden Stockley. You know, I think we we missed the boat on that one. Another player who's always given us kittens. Yeah, every time every time we've played them. So to be in the market for that, and then be like, okay, let's just go to our divisional rivals. Let's get someone on a free who we can outbid for basically a player for a transfer offer. Um, We've probably been kind of engineered for a slightly longer deal than I think we would like to probably done. Yeah, we've probably given him another year than Rotherham are offering. Yeah, but to get someone to come in to do that job who is very good at that job before the fact we look at like he's up 20 goals a season last year, just had a fantastic season to come off the back of that is fantastic. And also, also we nabbed him from Rotherham and it's it's, it's very funny. They've gone up, they've gone up with this wonderful promotion season and we've just pissed all over their chips. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, who doesn't love a bit of chip pissing? It's better to, better to be the chip pisser than the chip pissy, as I always say. Mm. <laughs> and then another, you know, another experienced League One centre back to add to the mix as well. Was, Definitely, I still as well. think we look a little bit light at centre back, particularly with Kieran mm. Brennan going out on loan. So yeah. Hope we get to see a loan or or, or two come in uh, or another signing there maybe, but um, the squad is certainly looking pretty decent at this stage. Nice to do some business early. Nice to get these players in the door and kind of working together during preseason. Um, yeah, so a fairly positive start to things this preseason. Definitely so. I mean, to to be in that position, things have gone a little bit quiet since then. But mm. I, I mean, but saying that. I, I think we're, I think we're a lot better to ready to roll. Uh, my only question would be basically, what are we going to do? The spine is looking fantastic. We've gone and signed a new spine to the squad. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And just just experience, experience and quality. You know, in that way, you've you've gone and you've signed. Well, we've we've definitely signed. Well, like all, all five of them are first teamers. Yeah. So that's five players for the 11. And then we can add that to the existing players we already have. The only thing next is what are we going to do about coverage and wings? So that'll be interesting to see that come in. Interesting yeah. to see that we were still, you know, looked like we were close to Wilts, but then Hull seemed to change their mind on the transfer fee. But yeah, interesting that was a play. Because I, I think forward-wise, I think we're good. Yeah. We're looking very good forward-wise. That midfield is, that centre-mid is looking great. My only questions kind of come with a bit of coverage on wing-back and the wings. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I'd really like another, at least one more centre-back, maybe two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Because the other day I was thinking about the centre mid situation. I completely forgot about FDB. I know. So it's, it's I mean, and, and if we have as a centre mid starting trio with Bannon, Byers and Volks, that's really fucking good. It really is, yeah. And then we've got a Daenerin coming back, essentially feeling like a new yeah. signing again to kind of prove himself again in the second season. FDB still. Apparently there are rumours that we're going to look at uh, getting a new contract for FDB, which is nice that's, to hear. That's nice to hear. And then the less of it, what, who else? Hunt? Maybe Hunt still Maybe around. Hunt, yeah. but I mean, five for free is, is pretty good at that, with yeah. that amount of quality. And, uh, and then, I mean, also, I mean, we've probably got like Patterson, who can probably... Yeah, he can play. He's he's the extra anywhere, isn't he? He can much. fit in a whole bunch of places. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I thought his best games last season, Patterson, were right wing back. I wouldn't mind seeing him kind of um, as a second for Hunt in that position. There's no Mendes Lang this season, mm. uh, which would really mean we're. we're yeah, we're mainly lacking at centre back and left wing back. Uh, yeah, intriguing. Um, so <laughs> we've had the last couple of weeks have been uh, these interview episodes with uh, some of our nearest and dearest, um, and we thought we would sort of extend that slightly and and have some of the ask some of those questions of each other of ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. So, so effectively, we've got a kind of we've 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 both picked out our favourite elevens of our time watching Wednesday, um, and we've also picked out least favourite elevens. Uh, but um, Luke, you had the the brilliant thought to do this kind of snake style. Mm. Uh, did you want to lead things off, or did you? I think so. And then just to have a bit of clarity, I'm imagining that this is the way you're going, but. Um, you know, the the third agreement is don't make assumptions. Okay. Um, so I've done mine with a classic mentality of four four two. Have you done yours with the classic mentality of four four two? I have done four four two with the explanation of <clears throat> I'm old, it works. <laughs> I've put allows the partnerships across the board. Traditional in ensconced into every narrative about fans building a squad. I think yeah. every fan eleven should be a four four two until history in the game has had enough standards of three five two or anything else. Until decreed otherwise. <laughs> I've sort of cheated in my worst. There's some players playing in positions that they maybe wouldn't see as their uh, their natural positions in my worst. That's, that's an interesting one. They can probably get to my wing situation, which uh, um, there might be a bit of swapping of the flanks. Yes. yes. Maybe, maybe the two players involved will be like <laughs> our, our fateful, uh, lovely, beloved manager maybe hasn't got this one right. So we'll just correct this. Correct this in the middle. After, of it, yeah. yeah, after twenty minutes of plugging away against <laughs> Apple, we might uh, exchange looks. <clears throat> so I'm going to lead off with goalkeeper, and Rich will go goalkeeper right back, I believe, and then we'll take it from there. Right, yeah. So goalkeeper, a tough one as my fleeting Wednesday didn't really get to assess a bunch of the '90s options and the early '90s ones, thanks to sabbatical periods. I cannot ascertain to any competence of Chris Woods, apart from a fateful wet and sloppy parry into the roof of the net, that I hope haunts him as much as it does me. Nor can I really assess Kevin Pressman, ridiculed for his portliness despite being a very decent shot stopper for a period there, and who could forget his 101 class on how to take a penalty. <laughs> I think for this period I have to think about giving the number one to Kieran Westwood. As much as I love dated truisms, 
And here I am, folks, giving a 4-4-2. Um, the words of Brian Clough echo through our heads when we say that a good keeper is worth 10 to 15 points. Westwood, at the height of his Wednesday career, was a true definition of that. A goalkeeper at his time who was well taken from the Man City reserve berth into this Wednesday side and was majestic for a good few seasons. Mm. I tried to think of his epic shot-stopping, tidy clean sheet record numbers, an iconic hooper-hoofed assist deep in my mind above any latter Al's career since. Lovely. Obviously, Westwood deserving of uh, an honourable mention. And uh, I went. I actually went for Chris Kirkland on a, in a similar vein. Mm. Interesting. And I think it, it is worth probably saying at this stage, I think my 11 is going to annoy some people, but it's about what imprints on you. And I do know mm. some of those great players. I know I saw them. How many of them I remember and I remember moments from is, is more limited. Mm. And some of that is certain clips get played through the years and then that becomes your memory. You don't remember being at the match watching that goal. You Like Waddle's... I wasn't at the match, but like Waddle's free kick against Sheffield United, I'm sure most people's memory is watching the TV clip of it because you forget the bit when you were there in real life and you see the thing that you see again and again and again through the years. Anyway, so it's a hodgepodge, I will admit that. And um, as I say, some people might be frustrated, but I've gone for Chris Kirkland because it, Mm. it did feel like we had a succession of goalkeepers who were somehow better than the next and I you could I, I do take your argument that Westwood was better than Kirkland I think that mm. case. for me I'm still a bit bruised by the other shenanigans um yeah that's that, fine uh, so for me so it's like Kirkland was the last one of those that didn't kind of blot his copybook in any way mm. uh, but yeah I, I mean it was we've had a lot of good goalkeepers um and Lee Grant was 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 certainly one of them, certainly one I considered. Um, but yeah, Kirkland, I just couldn't believe we'd got him. He he uh, he seemed too good to be true at the time. Uh, he was really really good in goal for us. That was when we started sort of setting record clean sheets, and something that Westwood continued. Uh, and um, yeah, just uh, he and very very good at time wasting really good at going down in the 85th and like checking every joint in his body before he got back to his feet for, uh, for any bumps and scrapes. So um, yeah, <laughs> Chris, Chris Kirkland's my goalkeeper. Um, right back. This is where I sort of added the caveat earlier, Lewis Buxton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the great Roland Nielsen, but I was too young to appreciate such fine right backery. Um, but I loved Captain Bucky with all my heart. Um, just, just worked so hard. Uh, sort of overcompeted. Not an athlete in a, not a great athlete in any sense. But won races that he shouldn't have won. Won headers that he shouldn't have. He wasn't tall enough to win. Um, and just always seemed to kind of give more than his the sum of his parts. Um, and just blossomed into such a great I think he arrived as a center back technically and became just such a good attacking right back through the through the years um a great crosser of the ball a good goal scorer at times uh yeah love loved captain captain Bucky O'Hare um <laughs> with all my heart so he head to you for I'm guessing two center backs now Luke 
Oh, I'm going to do my right back now. I'll do a right back. Oh, yeah, right centre back, back. Centre back. Sorry, yes. Yeah, no, no worries. So number two is an exceptionally tough one to call for me. I think I need to go with a player who I want to emulate from a young age in my own desired position as a right back, because that's what I played when oh. I played football as a kid. Uh, that weight of things and the fact that I'm told he scored for Wednesday when a wee Luke was taken to Hillsborough for the first time can only end up with a man who has been in one Wednesday chant a whole ten times, and that's Roland Nilsson. Nice. It's hard to think of him as anything other than classy, and I think his prowess just seeds through any hazy memory of his playing. It has been a surreal and lengthy severance from the top-tier contendants of our youth rich, and the hours we see at this time, it's so hard to think of being the same football club and maybe the same position on the pitch. Mm. It is difficult to think about an essential and appealing position that's had for generations of Wednesdayites the benchmark set with the Swedes' performance and purely as being. A tough and classy act to follow for the hapless souls who take that position, I know, but I have to give a rare 90s berth as genuinely hard to think of anyone else since. Clubs often retire shirt numbers, but maybe we should just call the RB slot the Nilsson position. Nice. Lovely stuff. And then they go on to centre-backs, which um, this is this is tough as well. Like, yeah. And um, I, I feel like maybe I've copped out a little here. I will say this. <laughs> so across the centre-back options here for the first of the two partnerships, I think it's going to start with Thomas Jane Lees. At the height of his Wednesday career, is dependable, quiet and assured. And I'm glad as such as I've never I've heard him talk and it kind of ruined any image of him as I had as a football player too. <laughs> I feel there were jokes about his small mouth too, but any slight against him was done out of position of the utmost affection. I think he is at his best a player who has a quiet commanding presence, who got the simple work done and made a lot of things seem kind of effortless. Like a quintessential worker who keeps things ticking over, Lee's always seemed to be a definition of a solid and regal 7 out of 10 in his best period of the club. Mm. A remarkable coup from Dutty Leeds on a free. He came amid calls of whether he was good enough after being heavily ostracised there. And we gave him a new lease of life and started a lengthy spell that beautifully hemmed together many a period of Wednesday's late history. Thanks for being that glue, Tom. But please don't reply with your Yorkshire bastard accent. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, good old Tom Lee. Well, yeah, this is this was, I think, so I kind of went and did all the rest of my team. I went and did my least favourite 11 and then came back and did my centre-backs because I found it so hard. <laughs> I found it really difficult. Um, and I was very, very close <clears throat> in terms of honourable mentions. Majid Bouguera was someone who didn't get in but was kind of close. He didn't have very long at Wednesday, but... Man alive, did he shine. He shone like a star. Um, but who I landed on uh, was Des Walker. Um, just a true great for club and country. And again, in terms of that kind of like what gets imprinted on your memory, um, I'm, I was born in Glasgow. You cannot tell at all from my accent. Uh, in terms of national team, I follow Scotland as my national team. Uh, but for some reason, as a youth, well, I, I know the reason, but I got obsessed with um, the Italian 1990 video that uh, somehow ended up in our house. And I watched it again and again. England's Italian 90 video again mm. and again and again. Um, why I loved it was the Sheffield Wednesday players playing for England. You had Des Walker, you had Carlton Palmer, you had Chris Waddle. Um, I think maybe even Andy Sinton as well. Um Des Walker just stood out, heads and sho- head and shoulders above, classy, um, very much a kind of feels felt like he would be at home in the modern game as well. 
he had such a cool head to things. Uh, I think he would still be a very good centre back today. Um, so yeah, there's there's Walker first off, um, and you know, putting in a good shift at the club. I think he was probably there for longer than maybe he should have been, but the, but you know he he uh, he, he had a long uh, time there. Um, my second one is a similar vein to Tom Lee's and a partner to Tom Lee's, Glenn Leuvens. Um Pure class on and off the pitch. Mm. Uh, seems like an absolute great chap. Uh, handsome as the day is long. He's got a gorgeous family. Uh, well done, Glenn Leuvens. He is he's <laughs> one in the lottery of life uh, times and times over. Um but such a lifeline when he arrived. Like that was a rough period for Wednesday. Uh, Dave Jones made some really bad choices his first season, and they continued into his second season um, to the point where he lost his job before Christmas. And Glenn Leuvens turned up, and it was it was almost like night turned into day. It was so such a difference one man could make. Uh, and I think I don't know what age he was when he arrived, but he was a he was a senior pro by the time he arrived mm. and we got some real value out of that free transfer from Cardiff. Um, he, he gave us a lot of good years um, and uh, still in a way, I feel we almost miss his presence. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever really properly replaced him. So yeah, Glenn, Glenn Leuvens is my, my second center back. And I think they would have been a lovely partnership to watch together as well. But Walker and Leuvens. Wow. Yeah. That's uh... <laughs> That'll that'll give us all something to dream about tonight. Yeah. So me for my second centre back, I think Lee's has to go with his peanut butter to his jam compliment. Though I never got that to any North American listeners, and I'm calling it jam and not jelly, by the way. <laughs> or whatever the listener thinks is the appropriate sauce in the bacon sandwich in the eternal red or brown question. And by the way, also to be difficult again, it's no sauce for Luke. It's like <laughs> just like it as it is. I just like tasting the bacon and the bread. It's a bit of butter. That way, yeah. That's good. And that man is another inspired freebie in Glenn Leuvens. Hey! Remarkable in the true testament to the man that he came in and in the most perfunctory and straightforward manner took the mantle of club captain and did it simply and wholeheartedly. Mm. He was a leader when we desperately needed one and then just became part of the furniture that we took for granted and forgot about when we thought about what new players we needed. The only sad thing from moving on from this has been have been weirdly developed a surreal expectation that someone can just rock up and establish themselves so easily in the future. We miss someone of his ilk, the defending equivalent of a Honda Civic. That seems realistic for the level we were at. Aside from missing him, that CB partnership that Lees and Leuvens establishes a group, but also as individuals. Both, place, both players have cast a long shadow over the Wednesday defenders mm-hmm. that have followed them, as we still want those individuals who establish players in their own right but can instantly create the chemistry that the two both have. Lovely stuff. I'm going to move on to left back, which, ooh, this is a tough one. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of tough positions, but I think yeah. left back is, is, is such, <laughs> such a bete noir of Sheffield yes. Wednesday Football Club. And it's yeah. a tough one for me here, but I think I'm going to pick from someone from this podcast coverage. I'm going to pick Marvin Johnson. Lovely. Now, I think from doing this podcast, is massively establishing our narrative, and the narrative of being a Wednesday in general is how the left-back berth is always a problem. Left-footed players are a premium and one ill-afforded by a club that can't afford some of the nicer things. So I've, I've barely seen Pudil in my exile. Spur was probably the best option we could cobble together at that time. And the class of the 90s, King and Worthington were kind of lost on me, to be honest. 
as I never had any great comparison to register their accomplishments in the mm. position. Johnson maybe takes the mantle of a forward-thinking wingback squeeze into Luke's bizarre Wednesday fave 11. I think the aplomb and naturalist to his play is something else, though, and his performances from last season have lodged himself in memory that the best I've seen on that flank. Such an incredible cross of the ball and a sleek motor to boot. Lovely stuff. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I've gone with Irish, uh, Nigel Worthington. Oh, very good. <laughs> One of those players from those early days that just always stood out. Um, free kicks, corners, classy, hardworking, lanky. Um <laughs> Everything you'd want. Everything you want. Um, yeah, really. I've, he also had that weird thing sometimes. You know, sometimes people just look like, like he looks like he's been the age he is. Whatever age he is now, he looks like he's sort of been that forever. Like in his playing career, he kind of looked like a 50-year-old man, somehow able to play <laughs> top-level football. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's never looked young. He's just always had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's look, he looks like a farmer that's not not pleased with the crop that's coming in this year. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um lo- love Nigel Worthington and uh someone that stuck with me and there's someone that had a kind of afterlife at Wednesday as a perennial managerial contender as well which just mm. always kind of adds to the fun like he's just always been there in the background every time we've made an appointment over the last 20 years <laughs> a zealot on the uh bookmaker's Oslo <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um I've gone so this I know there's a bit of there's a bit of contention here, but this is again, I'm talking about this is my it's my eleven folks, okay? You can have your eleven. Um <laughs> for right wing, I've gone for Chris Waddle. And it's because I remember him best as an inside out winger. I know he's a left footer, mm. I know he's a left winger um for like a primary chunk of his career, but in terms of my like the Waddle game, which is something I one of my best ever Wednesday memories. Um, watching back of the the kind of the road to Wembley tape, uh, 90, 90, the 93 FA Cup run. I remember him as an inside out, playing on the right, cutting in on his left. Um, I just loved, in terms of who I wanted to be when I played football, I wanted to be Chris Waddle. I naturally sort of veer towards that kind of a wing or an attacking midfield type position. And I just loved his languid, someone who's never been much of a, an athlete myself, uh, the fact that you can beat a man by just sort of dropping your shoulder or doing a step over. Um, and you can almost sort of, well, we've all seen the clip of him putting Ryan Giggs on his backside like three times in 10 seconds just by moving his body in a certain way. It's not pace. He's not having to outrun anybody. He's not having to outstrength anybody. He's just better. <laughs> and that was just, so amazing to watch it's breathtaking um to to see that sort of abundance of technique and skill over any athleticism and what i listened to a an mma podcast called heavy hands and they talk about athleticism being cheating um because it lets you get away with things you can get away with bad technique if you if you're enough of an athlete Mm -hmm. and it's like chris waddle is the antithesis of that is like well but if you're good enough being an athlete just doesn't matter (laughs) if you if you're good enough (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I loved him, loved him to bits. And thank you so much for the uh, the clip as well for of him uh, <laughs> saying goodbye to the pod with us. Uh, hand over to you for your uh, 
your right wing. I, I thank you. I just, I just want to say, I just, I loved your comments about that. That's, that's, that's a really pertinent point about like athleticism. Really interesting. Yeah. That's, that's not that that's not exciting either. I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. An honorable mention for me in that position. <laughs> Right wing, and I think it's time to pay homage to one of the brightest lights during darkest times. He's the man who loves this blue parade. He's the best quarter of a million that we spent from Bradford City. He's not the boy in the bubble, but he's the mouse in the bucket. He's Jermaine <laughs> Teddy Johnson. Yeah. I wrote that intro, and I genuinely got a little bit struck for words for a bit. I feel everything has been said about JJ, but maybe it's because I talk about him so much it makes me want to recount the story. <laughs> Cut to January 2010. A younger, slimmer, and mildly better hairline Luke Ledall is spending his first time in Canada in the beautiful and scenic Vancouver, British Columbia. He is walking with his then-friend Dan down another calm and idyllic Vancouver street to return one of the films they rented a few evenings previously. As well as getting to see the modern comedy classic Hot Rod, the other film in hand is the Patton Oswalt film Big Fan, in which Oswalt plays a New York Giants-obsessed fan who has a pivotal encounter with one of his beloved players that makes him reassess his fandom. Luke then has one of his many moments going off on a tangent about his beloved Sheffield Wednesday to his poor lesser Wednesdayite friend, and this time expresses hope that a recent injury knock to Jermaine Johnson isn't going to sideline him for too long. Dan counters this by slowly and jokingly pushing the DVD case into Luke's face, his point pressingly clear of the comparison show. I use this story to highlight just how much my focus was on Jermaine Johnson back in those times. In the latter-day world of Give It to Bannon, there is a joyful and hilarious comparison to the same method of the plan of doing the same with Johnson. Yes. And brilliantly, we don't know what he will do. He could beam it in from 20 yards. He could relieve a defense and with some trickery, get the fans off their seats. He could do something in the middle, much like he did against Wolves and take it the length of the pitch past five players and then blaze it into Rose Z. <laughs> I love those times though I recognize it as song of a poor side. And maybe for better or worse, we won't see much better than JJ again in that role. Essential for how he operated and an absolute live wire on that flank. Even if we swap flanks and JJ came out of his classic, cutting onto the right. And by the way, a huge memory and huge kudos, kudos has to go to his two almost worldies against Preston, where he absolutely laser beamed it onto the post on two successive occasions. <laughs> JJ, I raise a blue power rate to you. Ah. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting emotional. Oh, I apologize, folks. I'm going to go on to my first centre back. Sorry, first centre midfield berth. Forgive me. My first centre midfield berth has to go to the play we can't believe is gracing his presence with us, and that is Barry Bannon. What can we say? What more can we say? But this diminutive Highlander gentleman, believed to best a titan of French football, has been the lifeblood and pulse of Wednesday over a large portion of my latter Wednesday watching career. Just so many beautiful moments. I have strong memories of the highlight reel of him early on, not long after joining from Palace, and just looking at home in his element with some downright bombastic aplomb and skill on the wing. <laughs> Spoken word poet and avant-garde rapper Saul Williams once acclaimed of outcast Hey Ya was like vitamin B12 to people who've never had that in their diets. I felt the same about Bannon. He signed and I went, surely we don't need another centre midfielder. And then I got it and saw a magical Scottish, Scottish dwarf-led paradise. I hope there's a bit more I hope there's a bit more bass to come following this upcoming season and it's hard to think of when they'll have to say goodbye. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean I <laughs> it's hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I've gone for often Baz's partner in crime as my first central midfielder, Kieran Lee. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, yes. A transcendent talent. Signed as a right back from Oldham and became one of the classiest midfielders I've had the pleasure of seeing in person. Got better and better over time and by the end could do everything. Great at tackling the ball and winning it back. A lovely passer. Great movement. And then an ice in his veins finisher. Uh, From where he started to where he ended up, you just couldn't possibly have seen. Um, And... I think genuinely at certain points he was he was someone who could have gone and played top top level football. He had those that level of ability, uh, that sort of a level of innate reading of the game. Um, it, it, cruel that injury kind of curtailed that, um, but uh, yeah, absolutely relished watching Kieran Lee in the Sheffield Wednesday shirt through those years. Um, and yeah, perhaps no surprise. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast at all, uh, you may know I'm a bit of a fan. Barry Bannon is uh, is going to be my other central midfielder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was love at first Cruyff turn. <laughs> <laughs> Class on toast. The heart of a lion. Brave as the day is long. Four lungs, two hearts. Uh, he is a Scottish man. He's better than Zidane. I love wee Baz. <laughs> Um, I don't know. There's much more to say than that because yours, you were so eloquent, Luke. But uh, yeah, Barry Bannon is probably my favourite Sheffield Wednesday player ever. <laughs> what, what did you say? Four, four lungs, four lungs and two hearts. That reminds me. It's kind of a bit Friday Night Lights, isn't it? Four, four lung, four lungs, two hearts can't lose. <laughs> there you go. I'm crying now, Luke. This is ridiculous. I know. <laughs> How's the last episode? Oh, we just cried. We just cried all we the way just through. Bald for three hours, <laughs> and most people downloaded it. Some people listened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, sorry. I'm going on to this is my second centre mid. Yeah, it's who's who's partnering Bowers in the midfield. So, Rich, we need a cruncher for that classic spreader and cruncher Wednesday centre mid pairing. Pairing, and my thoughts about football aren't dated in the slightest, dear listener. And this is a tough one here, and for the sake of a bit of Luke Ledel, different gravy different flair for the sake of being different. I'm going to go over a man with a connection to the podcast. He's a love of my life, even though he shagged my wife. The man we named the mascot after, it's J-O-C. Oh, nice. That's right. You thought I was going to pick Samedo, but I done done didn't and went for the ginger-haired chap from the Emerald Isle who came in to win our hearts with his overexcited rhythmic clapping. I think there's a lot to be said for a player's character and charm, and I felt that he was a man who had it in a very understated manner. I loved him scoring a rare header against Peterborough and then turning into the Hulk possessed. I loved him in like his nigh last appearance for his attempting an overhead kick and balletically missing it in spectacular fashion. I loved him get geeing up many a Wednesday fan and player with his sea-like antics. And finally, who could forget him getting away with murder for nailing a piggy on the sidelines at the stain? <laughs> Still mildly heartbroken for his bizarre exit. Mm, lovely stuff. Ah, oh, good old JOC. Oh, I love JOC. I mean, we we never went to the 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 manner of you know we we've had a few. Well, we've we've had Dion Burton and Chris yes. Waddle with a few little video. Yes, video messages that that we've had. We've never had the approach that a lot of Wednesday podcasts have. That, you know, had 
interviews with players. If we could interview one player, I'd yes. want it to be James O'Connor. To be I'd honest. love that. That would be, yeah. You know, would... I know Al's Americas did a fantastic interview with him. And I also got to ask the question on that one, if he loved his yeah. chant, because there's also a brilliant YouTube video of someone in the South Stand starting up the chant and then <laughs> sheepishly turning their mobile phone camera to see James O'Connor there giving a little, giving a little wave. Probably embarrassed out of his life, but just, just still <laughs> handling it with the charm as well. <laughs> a great play we met as well. It was it was great mm. when we met James O'Connor on the yes. by a day. So left wing, and again, this could be right wing to be fair, but we've got players to wedge in here. Luke is pulling the 90s card again and bringing forth Chrissy Waddell. The player affectionately known in a part of France as Magic Chris has to be up there. Just everything you want as a winger. And lovely to see in my formative years as pulling the strings on countless fullbacks like some Geordie Geppetto and maybe also <laughs> deliciously schooling a young Giggsy Wigsy. <laughs> Class and culture and the winning charming character in the 90s dream team. Seeing him orchestrate everything in the West Ham 5-0 Waddle game was something else. Mm. I can't hate that it set a standard for Essex football that is so rarely glimpsed upon, but definitely grateful we had someone like him to watch and enjoy for the times we did. Beautiful. <laughs> um... Okay, for my left wing, <laughs> I've gone for Chris Brunt. Um, Ooh, nice. Rare in Wednesday history to have a gamble that paid off so hugely. Uh, a young guy, raw, with bags of talent, who got actually got better and made good on it. Uh, some of the best goals I've ever seen in real life from his piston of a left foot. Um, again, a kind of languid style to his play um i have something there's something about wingers that have long sleeve shirts that just kind of appeals to me untucked untucked long sleeve shirts that's my that's my wing archetype uh (laughs) that's my those are my dudes and um and chris brunt did that beautifully and it was part of my sort of really reigniting and falling in love with wednesday was that was that team that historic team that promotion team um and and he was the he was the the you know the magic maker for that team. So uh, yeah, loved loved Chris Brunt. Um, sort of had a paternal pride in what he went on to do in his latter career as well. Um, entirely unjustified paternal pride, but uh, you know to to be such a stalwart for club and country for so long uh, was was just great to see. And we actually made some money on him. Brought him in on a free mm. transfer. Sold him for a. a, a for the time at the time a big profit um yeah it's rare as a Sheffield Wednesday fantasy transfers that just work out like that other teams seem to do it routinely we don't uh so it seems fair to celebrate it when it happens um my first center forward is Benito Carbone wow um genuinely seemed magical at times uh, sublime dribbling, great goals, and a competitive spirit that often went too far. Uh, I, I just, uh, I've never seen anything like Benito Carboni, and I still probably haven't seen anything like him since. Uh, just full of flair, and um, but with hard work as well. And I just always remember, I've got, I remember the, I've got a program with him competing for a header with Colin Hendry, and. I think there must be almost two feet difference between them in height, but it's Benito Carbone that's winning that header. And uh, I think I just said so much about him. He, he's, he was just, uh, just wonderful. 
Um, I know Di Canio was around at the same time. Di Canio probably a better goal scorer. Um, but for me, the one that sort of stuck with me uh, and uh, and stood out for me was 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 Benny Benny Carboni. Wow. Um, a lot of revelations in the podcast. I mean, we found out that an early episode that Rich is basically Chan Siri, but we've also found out that uh, somehow anachronistically and weirdly time machine, he's managed to sire both Liam Palmer and Chris Brunt. <laughs> Damn proud of it too. Why else would he have that paternal pride, folks? My boys. Why else? My boys. <laughs> Such an interesting collection of children. <laughs> so all with Ego Ego Odom as well. It's just we can't oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. We can't figure <laughs> it out. So my first striker up, there's a lot of names of high profile strikers from over the years at Sheffield Wednesday. And and also maybe the latter years as well. One I can't forget has to be Super Gary Hooper. And indeed the man himself in his prime and his pomp for Wednesday was a joy to behold. He not mm-hmm. only struck the ball beautifully, but had such a majestic link up style that essentially his inclusion as team even makes his strike partner I'm going to name even better. <laughs> I wish we got to see more of him. It was really sad how much of his last days were marred with injury. We missed him so much, and I felt I didn't fully appreciate him on the pitch immediately, but then it came hugely apparent as when we were missing him. At that, we never just got enough. And by the way, as a side, uh, rest in peace to Fletch from the Pesh Mode. Yes. <laughs> um, so his strike partner... Finally, I'm going to use that 90s card for one last time. And number nine is that is David Hurst. What more can be said about David Eric Hurst, the lad from Cudworth, who was just a raw rocker striking talent. I've spoken just now about Hooper, but Hurst looked as though he's the complete number nine who could flack one home with either foot and head a good few home too. Genuinely feels like the best kept secret in English football as outside of the BBC wankfest surrounding the usual suspects, Hurst was an understated number one which is hilarious for his northern playboy persona. <laughs> I wonder if Wayne Rooney as a snobby Utes looked at Hursty's playbook of being a brutal and demonic ball of footballing bombast before injuries brought him back down to planet Earth. Maybe it's just another case of history repeating, and it's a weird comparison, but it speaks to how much he was loved in his part of the world and how much he was appreciated for his talent. Oh, lovely stuff. And Luke's gone again. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to like classically go on mute to just stifle stifle I know, but I gave again stifle me falling into pieces. <laughs> ah, beautiful stuff. Um the, the bit that's I, gonna surprise you, Rich, is when I start crying with the worst eleven. Like <laughs> oh, it's just he's just a mess today. <laughs> um my to complete my eleven, I've got Mikel Antonio as my Again, probably cheating slightly. He didn't always play up top, but um, he did sometimes. Um, a rare occasion where a fantastic loan spell, be- loan spell became uh, an even better permanent signing. A one-man army, boundless energy, outrageous pace, a creative force and a finisher. Um, he was the whole package. I think it was so strange to see him arrive. <laughs> he arrived under a bit of a cloud because... We had Ben Marshall and then there was lots of hopes of getting Ben Marshall back and Ben Marshall didn't come back. And then we got Antonio and it's like, eh, maybe he'll be all right. Um, he got the assist in the derby and then Megson got sacked. Um, but he just became so pivotal by the end of that first season. And then there's few times Wednesday have amazed me in the positive sense, but signing 
Antonio when we did <laughs> amazed me in the positive sense. I could not believe we'd managed to go and get get him. Um, and uh, it wasn't a disappointment signing him on a permanent. He 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 genuinely got better and better. <laughs> uh, and again, we made a very tidy profit. I would have loved him to stay with us for longer. Um, it was a bit of a cloud that he went to Forest first before he got his kind of Premier League move. Uh, but it kind of shows you how lowly Wednesday were in at that time probably and uh yeah he was he was just so much better than anybody else we had playing for us it was uh it was almost laughable um and I yeah I loved I loved watching watching Antonio loved his uh never say die attitude and uh just pulling goals out of nothing so often uh yeah what a guy what a great guy um so I don't know. I've I've I have named some subs. I think you should please go ahead with subs, and I'll probably couple together. I think I've got some inspiration okay. from the players you've named that I haven't. So there we go. Okay. Well, maybe I I probably won't go. Yeah. Okay. So I've gone. I'll go through these a bit quicker in a kind of one go. Maybe does that seem sensible? And then I guess yeah, a bit of that seems good. Uh, so I've gone for a five man subs bench because, frankly, it's getting ridiculous how many subs. It's like uh, it's like these Mac. It's like uh, these Gillette razors with soft nowadays. <laughs> They're going mad. Of mm. uh, twenty subs at this rate. Um, <laughs> so, so I've gone for Scott Carson. Uh, saved the season. Showed me just how good and important a goalkeeper could be. Uh, I think that that Brian Clough quote of just absolutely applied to what Scott Carson was able to do for us. The whole team was able to stand about. 10 feet further up the 15 feet up further up the pitch it just completely changed the way we were able to play football and he was just one man he was one man with a big gap between his teeth but a a, a good jawline on him um and uh yeah just such a welcome uh introduction to that team and and such a such a good such a good player uh even though it was a short period of time with us uh i've gone for liam palmer on my bench uh, partly for util- utility, he can play so many positions. But I think at this stage, just he's a living legend, uh, Mr. Wednesday. Uh, and what he's done this summer is running um, miles and miles and mm. miles for Jude. Just, I don't know. I think we talk about players who get it being at Wednesday, Wednesday being special. And if you've been there your whole life, then, you know, I think you get it. And Liam Palmer absolutely gets it. And uh, I don't know, it's been a strange, a peculiar joy to watch him through the years just get better and better and become so dependable now that I almost trust him everywhere that he gets played. And uh, and he plays in many, many positions. Um, Jose Semedo, uh, didn't know what we were missing until we found Jose Semedo. The defensive equivalent of Antonio seemed to be everywhere, win every tackle, block every pass, loved the club, and the feeling was mutual. Uh, yeah, loved Jose Sino. Um, Jermaine Johnson, a bright light in a dark period, capable of moments of breathtaking wonder and just as capable of hitting a P-roller out for a throw-in. Uh, a classic get-you-off-your-seat super talent. Um, this, <laughs> I've put one player and I'm going to swap it for one of my honourable mentions because I feel like he should get mentioned at some point uh, because we do love him dearly. Ati Nuriu. I know, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, you think about a favorite eleven. Where does where does where does Big Dave come in? But it's it's so tricky because you sort of like, yeah, 
the task is favourite 11, so that's frees things up a bit. You're not saying it's the absolute best 11 you've ever seen. Mm. Obviously, David Hurst and Mark Bright are way, way better than, <laughs> than Matty Mew. But I don't know. I loved him. He brought me so much joy. Um, so I'm going to give him that honourable mention of being my last spot on my uh, subs bench. Um, even just for that Preston goal alone, I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, do you want do you want to run run us through some subs? I can. I've just uh, I've I've rambled down just some stuff. Especially it's it's pretty much just like most players you've mentioned. I'll be honest. Okay, fair enough. Uh, subkeeper is a difficult one. I think initially I was thinking of Grant, but maybe I think I'm also going to go Kirkland as well. I think Kirkland was a much better kind of more comprehensive goalkeeper than Lee Grant was. Mm. Um, it's also just incredibly. I mean, it's it's also nice to think about. Um, maybe on a specific level, thinking about some of you've had some some mental health issues, and Chris mm. Chris Kirkland's had that, and he's been. Yes. Be vocal about it. So it's it's nice to have to think that you can still have a kind of career rebirth. Because I think that was it for him. I think at Wednesday, I think it was it was very meaningful kind of return to things, especially when he was kind of having moments of doubt. So maybe that's a, a kind of emotional thing for me for thinking mm. that's a that's a very important thing for him. And it was sad that I guess geography wise, you know, he he probably would have stuck around and been yeah. Been a, a damn fine backup keeper. Yes. The Westwood. And I mean, we could have used that when, you know, I, I think even in the prime of Westwood, there's still maybe a couple of occasions when he did his uh, injury thing, you know. But yeah. I think in my my world, Westwood wouldn't have done that. But again, what a what a damn fine goalkeeper he was. Uh, I'm also going to have to go Lewis Buxton. And I mean, also there's a bit of utility there, you know, right back and... Indeed, yes. you know, could play centre back as well. And I loved, I loved Bucky, Bucky O'Hare, as we used to call him. Yes. Um, yeah. There's just, uh, there's just a certain kind of, I don't know. There's a certain kind of like a slight pump, ramp, rampant nature down the wing. He just felt that he kind of owned it in just a very, I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, he, he definitely felt very kind of accomplished in that position. Kind of felt his own. Yeah. Yeah, and in a way that I, I don't think we'd seen for a while. So I think that was just it, that just added to the general nature of things. Yeah, um, yeah. So Buxton was great. Um, outside from that, I'm going to have to yeah, Kieran Lee for one of the the one of the subs bearings as well. Yeah, came from Oldham's touches golden. Um, <laughs> it's just really hard to think about like when we got him, just thinking, oh, he's a young, promising right back. You know, he's yeah, Oldham's player of the season. He had yeah. that, that Manchester United pedigree um, from the academy, and you know, features for them probably in the times of like Van Nistelrooy and stuff like this, that kind of era, and maybe Rooney being in his in his uh, in his pomp at Man U, and just incredible to think that it's just a player who we just came in for oh he's a right back and then the things we don't get to see which sometimes is frustrating but it's magical to see that oh we can just plonk him in the center mid and he's player who's just got that radar he's just like it it's like someone like Iniesta at Barcelona it's just a, a remarkable knowledge and context of what's going on on the field and he can just be in that position and you know, getting into that position, I think as you said previously, why always Lee? 
you know, a player yes. who would get into those positions and fluff his lines, but before he developed that finishing touch and, you know, be remembered very much for a lot of those goals. Um, you know, his goal against Arsenal was fantastic. Yes. Um, just for the sake of circumstance, and maybe it's it's less about that rivalry, but more about some of the things that kind of add up to it. His goal against against the Millers yeah. to win as well is is pretty huge. Mainly, I think, just for the context of it being so late in the game, and also just yes. rubbing Steve Evans's face in it as well, yes. just yeah. adds adds to that narrative yeah. and the joy that kind of comes in. Yeah. And um, just just getting it from the death and a player who can do that. Uh, I'm also going Jose Semedo for another centre mid as well. Harsher to to kind of miss out, but I think my individual love of James O'Connor is just a bit stronger. Um, I I was thinking actually, like I don't think I ever did this. I think I just stuck with the random regular kind of phone yeah. case. But I remember for a while thinking I should get, I should really get the Chris O'Grady Semedo uh, <laughs> Semedo prayer. Yes, the back of a phone case. It would just be incredible, <laughs> just beautiful, just such a such a wonderful moment that kind of eclipses the man. And yeah, just just you know, we're Wednesday fans. We love, like I mentioned, we love the spreader and the cruncher. Yeah, and he <laughs> he's just what we wanted. It's just we wanted we wanted like a bulldozer in centre mid, and came in, and the fans loved him, and I love him. Everyone loves him. Yeah. And yeah, just just wonderful and just such a great mentality. I I enjoy his book Win the Day. That's quite fun. Oh, yeah. I also enjoy the story about uh, that Nicky Weaver told about taking him in when they were at Charlton and taking him down Poundland. And it's not the case now, but obviously we all remember a time when Poundland everything was a pound. Yeah. And he just joyfully ran around going, How much is this? How much is this, Nicky? And like it's a pound, Jose. How much is this? It's also a pound. <laughs> and maybe that speaks to my, my northern sentiment of a kid in a candy shop during Poundland. And by the way, Poundland's a lot better when it's all quid each. I've been back yeah. at Christmas and I thought it was shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> so fuck you, Poundland. You're no, you're no home bargains. You're no B&M bargains. <laughs> your, time is, your time has been and gone. It's no longer, <laughs> no longer the place for such value. But unfortunately, inflation has killed such things. But it will not kill my love of Jose Semedo <laughs> as a free from Charlton. What a great signing from Mexican as well. Let's put oh, it yeah. And yeah, I think finally I'm also going to put out the new year as well. Uh, it's just a bit of a, a kind of, I've kind of tied this together from kind of those moments. But yeah, it has to be Big Dave on the bench for me. Like, I just, I just love that goal against Preston so much. It's yeah. just incredible. I can't tire of seeing it. And, you know, even when it kind of pops up on one of those, those retro, retro Twitter goal accounts. Yeah. And, you know, and they will pretty much just go and say what we were all saying is remember those, you yes. know, remember that minute where Abby knew you just thought he was Lionel Messi. He's the greatest player that's ever lived. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I also know, loved his, uh, his one against Leeds in the snow is a real sweet. Uh, that's as beautiful well. as well because the snow adds such a such an element of piquancy yeah to that one doesn't it it's a real actual soccer <laughs> look when you step on the snow it's the, the lines stay in the snow that's it we've re, we've got a weather system in the game <laughs> when, when, yeah, like, when it, 
slide tackles miles away from the ball and completely misses everything. New Year's kind of like a fantasy for all of us, I think. I think if we all being a lanky, charismatic Eastern European striker, we'd want to be at the New Year. But then there's situations where you're like, oh, yeah, if I was transpired, like if I had a freaky Friday where I became at the New Year, like I'd forget how to use my limbs as well. (laughs) There are times just there's there's that quality to everything. Yeah. Um, What's that goal he scored against Bournemouth where like, it was either Bournemouth or Reading, or maybe it was Watford. It was an end of season kind of dead rubber game. Oh yeah, and he kind of just pissed on their chips, and he like he thumped it down into the floor, and it bounced yes. over the keeper. Yes, it's wonderful. Like there's just yeah. there's moments of like, how did you get that level of invention? <laughs> and I think it's just because I think he just thinks differently. Yeah, and just I'm wonderful. Such a such a player who's loved. Like yes. everybody at the club loved Daddy Nui. Yeah. I'm trying to work out. I'm just going to have a quick look how many games he played for us because um, he's played 242 games for us. Wow. And I still could not tell you if he was left or right footed. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And possibly not in a good way. (laughs) I think he took the penalties with his right foot. So maybe that's maybe he was naturally right foot. But yeah, uh, yeah, what a guy. What a guy. And hated being called Big Dave, but we still insist. Yeah. Um, do you want to do favourite manager or do you want to just move along to least favourite 11? Let's just move on to least favourite 11, I think. Okay. Should we do the same again? Do you want, me to, do. Lead? Do you want me to lead? Do you want me to start this time? I can have the opposite because that means you can close the... That sounds the... good. Yeah, let's do that. That seems fair. So I'll do one to start and then you do the next two. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also gone for four four two for the for the worst eleven or least favorite eleven. Um, for my goalkeeper, I've gone for this. There was some this. We had lots of good goalkeepers. We've also had quite a lot of bad goalkeepers. So this was a hotly contested <laughs> slot uh, yep. in in my worst eleven. Oh, oh I get it, Rich. <laughs> uh, I've gone for Paul Gallagher. Uh, the only goalie I've ever seen lobbed on his line, and it happened to him more than once in his 12 Wednesday appearances. Um, I think just purely too short to be a, a goalkeeper. I think at some level, you just that's not a job for you. You should find something else to do. And Paul somehow managed to cobble together a career, uh, mostly at the top level of football. But his time at Wednesday was dire. Um, and yes, twice, twice lobbed on his line. The ball managed to get between his head and the uh, his hands and the um, the crossbar and go in, which just feels like on a base level just should not be allowed to happen. Um, yeah, terrible. Could have been Brad Jones. Could have been Ola Tidman. It ended up being Paul Gallagher. Oh, see, this is this is, I think, the moments where I, I I really rue my my lack of Wednesday career. I've I've been very I've shone very brightly in very short periods. I think <laughs> my my Wednesday Wednesday obsession. I started going for Joe Wildsmith. I said I think he has to win that competition of who is the shonkiest academy goalkeeper who talks a big game about wanting a chance, gets a whopping contract, and then pays us back poorly. Aaron Jameson was decent and I'm unsure where his career went. Richard O'Donnell was passable and has made an honest lower league career for himself. Mm. And Cameron Dawson has generally had a decent patch in between spells of dog dirt. 
While Smith has had one big game under the lights against Man City, as a wafer-thin piece of ham and an overwhelming crusty Neto brand sandwich <laughs> where the slices are whole, pasty, God-forbidden loaves. I'm glad he's gone, and I hope Derby managed to get over financial issues to sign him so he can shit the bed against us to pay his back for how terrible he's doing. <laughs> imagine if he has a good game at Hillsborough. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but imagine. Imagine, imagine. Right back, I'm going with Moses Adebayo. No, I tried my darndest to defend him, but maybe that was more defence than he ever needed and probably more defending than he ever gave us. (laughs) Miraculous at just how much of a clangor he had him at all times. Also, how promising and loved he was at Hull and then just a boo-boo-making, high-fiving dolt for Wednesday. Disastrous (laughs) signing. (laughs) Very good. Oh, see, I'm, now I'm now I'm reconsidering my right back, but I um I struggled with right back. I've got to be honest. Mm. Um, so I've gone for a bit of a a tangential offering. Um, I've gone for poor old Jermaine Johnson when he was forced to play right back. By oh, Brian that's very good. Yeah, <laughs> I have big memory. I'm oh, sorry. Let, let me. That's okay. I don't want to no, you. You please go for it. For this, yeah, the, the the desperate act of of Brian Laws to play a man with no defensive qualities at all out of position did not pay <laughs> off. Um, and truly one of the worst defensive appearances I've ever seen by anyone. Uh, not his fault. But uh, he uh, he earned his place in this uh, this mm. least favourite eleven. That was a rare occasion that I was at. That was like one of my early coming back from sabbatical games, and I also remember strongly like the image in the star, uh, the photo of Brian Laws consoling a tearful JJ. Oh, it was nightmarish stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was bad. I do remember that. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for my first centre back, this mm. this really is a rogues gallery. Um, Centre back and midfield could have really filled two or three times over. I think with some some. <laughs> I've run a um, I've gone for Martin Taylor. Uh, mm-hmm. So much expectation, tears from Watford fans that he was leaving, but absolutely brutal to watch in a Wednesday shirt. Uh, brought in as a big man captain and just never ever got anywhere near to seizing that mantle. Uh, a, a total disaster from start to finish. Absolutely awful. And his he- his backwards header that when he was like thirty feet from the goal that played, t- t- just sticks him. You know, like just it's a night. It's a, like a honestly a nightmare that plays in my mind. Is is his kind of blind header backwards to the goalkeeper that was just never ever going to get there and resulted in a, in a goal being given away. Terrible, awful. What a bad player he was. <laughs> over to you over to me I'm going to do both centre-backs now so first mm. centre-back now we've had a wealth of chunky latter career centre-backs in some senses <laughs> it feels harsh to include Cockney bald boy Darren Purse <laughs> yes. but it may have had a link with another addition to come on this list and there's a stretch of our resources to accommodate a new signing that ended staggeringly in relegation and disaster mm. the Richard Wood saga is one that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth but the fact that we managed to alienate him further after we've got shut for a decent offer from Watford for this, mm. not the characters we needed and not the performances we were after. No, <laughs> no. My second centre-back is one that's already been mentioned. It is Martin Taylor. Hey. Once again, it's another chunky latter career centre-back who we yes. probably, probably ruined. 
He took the popular pathway from Watford to Wednesday and somehow he managed to break him rather quickly with him dislocating all his bones at the same time in a performance against Bolton, I believe. Yes. I've said this before, but I recall an Alstor poster who was friends with a Watford fan who was having a phone call with his dad that Taylor had left. Somehow they spent the next five minutes in silence mourning the loss of their defensive stalwart. Bizarre. Also bizarre to look into Martin Taylor as well, Rich, to add to this. Yeah. Do you remember so he played about 12 times for Wednesday in that first season? Yeah. The second season of his contract, uh, he didn't play at all for Wednesday. He went on loan to Brentford and miraculously scored twice in five, five occasions. Oh. And then oh. came back and then basically saw out his contract and retired. <laughs> Just remarkably poor. Remarkably yeah. poor yes. stuff. Yeah, terrible. Um for my part, I'm partnering uh, Taylor with Michael Morrison. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, fake hard man, but somehow managed to haunt us in future years by actually being all right for other teams. Just especially goading that um, he seemed to have a good career prior to Wednesday. Mm. We should have been kind of his big move and a big chance for him to make a name for himself. And he was just truly awful. Um and uh, yeah, left with a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, he doesn't seem to like Wednesday, and the feeling is mutual. Uh, for my left back, I've gone for Zigor Aranaldi. Um, <laughs> played 99 minutes across two games for Sheffield Wednesday. He made his debut in a 1 0 loss to Huddersfield uh, and then came on at halftime versus Tramier in the next game and was sent off in the 54th minute for elbowing his opponent. Um, just, just woeful, just weirdly like drafted in late. It was kind of, you know, there's that deadline day for signing free transfers towards the end of the season. He was like a deadline day free transfer and, um, just truly terrible, really, really bad. seems to have had a kind of okay career prior to that and afterwards. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, a real embarrassment of a Wednesday player, uh, was, was Ziggar Aronaldi. And with me, I'm going to break us off with a left-back. Now, this is actually the last slot that I had to fill, um, which is incredible as left-back has been a position that's been notably problematic yes. and poor for a good while for Sheffield Wednesday. So I ended up with Peter Gilbert. I actually feel a lot of this one down to how much he's hated by the Wednesdayites of the period. Also, comedy <laughs> extra points for why or why did we never sell him to Plymouth for buttons, only for him to not feature for us at all and then basically leave the club on a free transfer. Yeah. In the few occasions I saw him play, it wasn't particularly good, though I admit I enjoyed the malice towards him as being terrible. <laughs> Weirdly, I do remember him being all right as the left. There was a really strange occasion where we had played rare in this day, in that day and age, three at the back, and he was quite good as the left side of centre back. Mm. But really terrible as a, as a left back for us, absolutely. Yeah. Right wing. I'm going for a man who always thought he'd play for Wednesday as a Wednesday night, and somehow he waits it out like he was Jamie fucking Vardy to roll up and rock up on a retirement wedge and just be the slowest thing ever. <laughs> That's Chris Sedgwick. <laughs> Greatly ironic that he's christened the Yorkshire Express by Rotherham fans at the beginning of his career. Maybe back then he wasn't running like he was pulling a kid's train at Flamingo Land, one that somehow takes a detour for a bog of molasses. Just a reminder that times are long gone and we're doing much better, even this tier with other talents, but I will defend Gary Teal to the ends of this earth. At least he has some assists and wasn't complete dogger like Sedge. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, for my right wing, 
again this so this is a bit of a stretch but uh i had some had some characters that really needed to be in this squad and maybe some areas were overstocked um i've gone for tom saws as my right wing <laughs> yes you did yes you did <laughs> Few people so thoroughly embodied the sleepwalk to relegation that was the 2009-2010 season for Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> like Tom Saws. Just a thoroughly disheartening human being. Uh... <laughs> Didn't seem to be good at anything. I'm surprised to see he actually scored two goals that season. I don't remember any positives from his time. I just remember half-hearted huffing and puffing and um, general giving the ball away and looking useless. Uh, played right wing at times, played centre midfield at times, was terrible in all of them. Um, part of a weird generation of kind of spoiled players that went on to nothing from Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, despise him. Absolutely despise him. Uh, <laughs> um, my first central midfielder, I'm going to go for Darren Potter. Um, I've called him Crabman just moved sideways, never passed up the opportunity for for a sideways pass to a fullback. Uh, Just so... I mean, famously, he had a good one-month loan from from Wolves. We we were pleased Mm -hmm. to sign him. Did we drop a million pounds for Darren Potter at the time? Is that right? We paid some wedge, I think. I feel like it was like half a million or something. It was a chunk chunk of change. It really was. was It was a lot of money that we probably didn't have for Darren Potter. Yeah. To just cont- just an incredible shrinking man in a Wednesday shirt. He went yeah. from kind of uh, a could have been a uh, guy full of possibilities to just get worse and worse. Yeah, so he scored, so he's played 17 times on loan and got two goals and then signed. Uh, I'm just trying to see. Oh, classic undisclosed fee, so we don't get to know. Uh, but Horrible, horrible, terrible in the championship and led to us getting relegated and even worse in League One. We talked about players not being good at suited to League One. He was a terrible League One player. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Really sticks in the craw. It does. uh, Does old Darren Potter. My first sense of midfield is is Darren Potter as well. So, and I was also just about to call him the crab man as well, which isn't in my notes. I just randomly thought about it. I remember my old work colleague, Paul, would call him crab man after, um, after was it the catch in my name is Earl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Lone spell aside, the man was a monumental leech on Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Miraculous, that was such a staggering change of performance from him, from that loan spell until his permanent residency at Sheffield Wednesday. The man we clamoured to sign, and then not long after, we clamoured for time to pass quick enough so we could get him off the wage bill. Negative, harried and backwards thinking, sideways passes, slowly regressing opportunity for Wednesday in any game of football. It was like he just had a lobotomy with a part of his brain that had any self-confidence or mentality of how to play a forward pass. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. And he managed to score against the Pigs. Yes. yes. I mean, let's be honest, Adam Boulder scored twice against Sheffield United. <laughs> I liked Adam Boulder, but he wasn't a particularly great player. No. Fuck, he was bad. <laughs> we, 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 like, we paid him to leave, didn't we? We, like, we so. terminated his contract by mutual consent because he would have had another year. And I think it was like Megson coming in and being like, no, no, wow. we're, not, we're not having any more of this. So we paid him to leave and then he went to MK Dons and I think he had a... Semi-decent career at MK they Dons, right? Him. They loved yeah. him. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get no, it. No, I don't get it either. My other centre midfielder 
is Tommy Miller. Oh. I mean, he had some moments for his overall, but those were rare and far between. Definitely a player we signed who was in the latter end of his career and seemingly getting a breach on our contract terms for what exactly? <laughs> Especially when we spent a far chunk of that first season on the treatment table. He gets yeah. extra points for the wankiest goal celebration ever, which thankfully we didn't get to see a great deal at Sheffield Wednesday. That was him picking up the corner flag and doing it like it was a snooker cue. Lovely. Awful. Didn't he Awful. also, he, he had a perfect record for scoring penalties until he got to Wednesday. Yeah, that sounds about right as well. <laughs> and the fact that the OS official website of Wednesday stated that it's Miller time when he signed. <laughs> Such a declaration brings as much disappointment as being told you can have a beer at a friend's and then only having anything from the Miller stable in the fridge. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, I've got for my centre midfield uh, Giles Coke. <laughs> nice. Completes a gutless, cowardly trio, specialised in hiding behind opposition players when we had the ball. I've never seen anybody better at just disappearing in plain sight. He should have been a spy. Um, I know he had that weird... So he started off well. He had like an amazing first four games and then dropped like a stone. He also then weirdly played, played that part in that oddly functional midfield that uh, Dave Jones cobbled together, which was like him and Prutton kind of brought in from the cold. Mm. But in between times, just a really, really bad player. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just, it's one of those things I, I've defended Barry Bannon from criticism many times because having watched Potter and Giles Coke and seen how anonymous you can be and how much you can harm the team in that position by. Yeah not stepping up, not making yourself available, actively trying to sort of not be available for the ball. That's that's worse than being bad. I think I'd rather a player that wants to get on the ball and fails than a player that hides. And and Giles Coke, I just distinctly remember hiding in games. And uh, I, I just can't stand for that cowardice. I think you've you, you got the kind of hard work is kind of the, the bit, the given bit that we want to see. And then abilities next. But to have the ability and to kind of actively hurt the team, uh, I just I just couldn't stand seeing it. Um, and speaking about having ability and actively hurting the team, uh, left wing, I've gone for Jay Bothroyd. Mm. A big swanging reputation, uh, but completely awful for Wednesday. He was our big earmark uh, showpiece signing. He had a tattoo that said love made out of guns and grenades. Um, and just an awful big time Charlie and completely um, indicative of Jones's mismanagement of that promotion team. I'd, somehow he managed to ride that wave and get the, that 13 game win streak, which got us up. But I don't think he ever really understood what the heart of that team and why it worked. Mm. And no, it showed once we got up and sort of he started spending some money and yeah. it, it just went from being a team that was full of heart and got what being went being a Wednesday player was about to a team of mercenaries. And I guess Dave Jones is a mercenary in, in his way. And uh, yeah, nobody was the kind of poster boy for being a footballing mercenary like Jay Bothroyd was. Yeah. Uh, he, he well and truly owned it. Mm-hmm. Over to me for left wing. I've gone mm. for Wade Small. Oh! 
will probably always be remembered for his lack of track. He was indeed. He'll probably always be remembered for his lack of tracking back a la Mendes Lang for conceded a goal against some team. I can't even remember who it was. <laughs> um, I recall him also being diddy, lightweight, and poor as a winger. Maybe yeah. someone who would draw more apathy than I, but not a good winger. And I've seen Chris Sedgwick. <laughs> Very good. Going to my striker berth. And uh, yeah, we're, you know, Rich and I. Patico. The same same mentality. I've gone for Jay Bothroyd. Mm. Now, given that mainly most of what I remember from was a decent spell in a live sky sports game, was that against Leeds, I think? Yeah. And was that also the Chris Kirkland assault one as well? So I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, because they, yeah. they hate Dave Jones. <sighs> fucking Leeds, worst fucking people in the world. Yeah. Then maybe he can be deemed a touch harsh by certain standards to, to put him in this lineup. And also, I do want to put some shit on his door for the fact that I bought a poutine to celebrate signing him. <laughs> I remember it. Not that the poutine was bad. The poutine was amazing. It was a smoked poutine, hogtown poutine that had grilled onions, mushrooms, bacon, and sausage. I love that poutine very dearly and buying a large one for great expense and then giving the leftovers a hearty nuke in the microwave. By the way, folks, it reheats really well. (laughs) But enough talk about delicious food. He was just not worthy of such a celebration. Staggering how little return on such an expensive loan signing. I went to write poor and and finish up on my phone and somehow my fingers blurted out poo instead. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Oh, it felt like there was an abundance of choices at uh, centre forwards, which is why Jay Bothroyd ended up. I think he occasionally played left wing. He did it at times. Um, that's why he got shuffled in there. Uh, I've gone for for my first one, Francis Jeffers. Mm. Uh, the Wednesday story in a nutshell: spending what little money we have or don't have on a gamble that absolutely doesn't pay off. I believe he cost three quarters of a million pounds when we did not have that sort of money to throw around. And there was just so little payoff. He was thoroughly broken from the moment he walked in the door and got more broken over time. And then I think by the time he left us was basically that there was nothing left of his ankles. Um, Just terrible. Uh, Amazingly, people sort of convinced themselves they could see that he was doing things it's the runs he's not making that are really the telling ones. Uh, it was other people's fault that Jeffers was not good. Uh, but no, it was Jeffers' fault. Jeffers was bad. <laughs> uh, his strike partner, you could say almost all of the same things about, John Rhodes. Mm. A profoundly sad episode in his life and the life of Sheffield Wednesday. A once swaggering cocksure gunslinger arrived timid and broken and never really improved. Uh, I've there are few things that have disappointed me more than finally getting Jordan Rhodes after so many nearlies and him just being so bad, so broken. Um, it's almost a little bit. It's a bit like um, this is really strange. I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't done this as a as a thing. But it's a bit like with Jenny uh, and Forrest Gump. And sort of by the time he's always loved Jenny, and by the time he got Jenny, she was just so broken and gone. And it's like that we like <laughs> we we were the Forrest Gump, he was the Jenny. By the time she came home to us, uh, there's just not there was nothing yeah. left to love, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I would also just to interject here, Rich. I was going to use a comparison. I think I've made this reference analogy before. It's um, it's Abby. 
in um, Broad City. Oh, yes. Finally getting to sleep with Jeremy. And then Jeremy yes. pulls out the pegging as well. <laughs> yes. It's just having, you know, I, idolizing someone and having that idyllic lens of looking at them lovingly and then having that all shattered in yeah. a kind of pivotal moment. And maybe actually, like, you know, I think, unfortunately, maybe it's true that, like, media and romantic comedies have kind of told us, like, this happens, and we went yeah. and did it, you know? We went and did it, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's that completes my least favourite 11. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd gone for Jordan Rhodes, I'm going to be honest with you. But <laughs> my last one, I think I'm going to go with Warren Feeney. Wow, yes. So how good were those 13 minutes? Uh, they weren't at all. They weren't terrible, but a lot of weight has to be given to a striker signing who probably like lasted as, as long as eating a McDonald's. <laughs> it shows a staggering level of waste that has to be directed at him, unfortunately. Why didn't he ever show any progress to get over that tough 13-minute mark? Maybe it's because he wasn't very good at all. <laughs> very good. <laughs> um. Someone who was very, very close for me, striker-wise, was David Graham, who's just a very similar kind of, like, he'd had one good season a while ago, and we took the gamble on him, and then Stevie May. There's just so many strikers that just led us us down so so awfully. We're like that girl, that sort of drama queen girl that loves bad boys and is constantly surprised that the bad boys then do the dirty on her, but with half-our strikers. We never learn our lesson. Uh, okay. Well, mm. there we go. That's least least favorite elevens. <laughs> um, just for the passing sort of mention, my favorite manager was Sturrock. My least favorite Pulis. Interesting. I'd go. I'd go most favorite. I'd go Carlos. Nice. Yeah. And least favorite. I'd go Pulis as well. Yeah. The thing I'd say about Pulis was I didn't really make any notes about this, but um, the thing I say about Pulis is like I don't know a broken clock's a right more than Tony Pulis was. You know, <laughs> it's just so disappointing. We we never got to see any of that. No. Any of any of any if anything it would ever been any good. There was not one game. No. Maybe that game against Norwich, which we lost. Oh, yeah. We still lost. We needed points, and we lost it. You know. All we did was give him a nice retirement payoff. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we haven't thought about, haven't talked about how to structure this, Luke. So this could be a bit uh, haphazard, folks. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got in my notes now that we're going to go through some of the listener messages and emails. So I don't know how you want to go about that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, no one really gave us any. I, I, no one gave us any questions. I guess in a weird way. But I mean, I want to say thank you ever, ever so much to everyone who sent us messages it was really really incredible to have some incredibly nice and kind words said about us so we're we're super super grateful but uh maybe that leads in i don't know do you want to lead us off rich okay yeah um well yeah maybe we should just name check people that were kind enough to to send things through i think that'd be nice yeah um yeah thank you to david wilcock for sending through uh a lovely email imploring us to keep going which I'm so, apologies we are we um we just we just can't um uh, but um uh, yeah thank you for thank you for your kind words and uh and your support as uh, as we've gone along in this venture um mike d of the beastie boys who i'm still very pleased uh takes the time to to listen to us and also 
sent through emails. He he made a very funny mention of a, uh, having a cogni toaster repairman and friends BBC Three sketch show. Which who knows? Maybe down the line, you know, you never know what the powers would be a uh, listening listening out for. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you so much for your email, um, Benjamin Rooker. Another really um just it's all just very sweet thank you so much uh um there's the promise of a, a drink from benjamin at some point so we might have to take take him up on that offer which is uh, <laughs> um david holdaway it's an extremely sweet uh message um i'm also really pleased that people like seem to really have enjoyed the the, the interview uh podcasts over the last couple of weeks because it's uh they, they were really nice to do i think we're really proud of them um and we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite moments from the podcast but uh, uh for, for me those those have been some of the things that we've uh we've particularly enjoyed uh ian hodgson been listening since episode one thank you so much you're yeah as i said earlier you're mad but i like the way that you're mad um <laughs> from from new zealand as well um you know, Luke, we've we've consistently been uh, one of the top fifty soccer podcasts in the Philippines uh, for the past uh, couple of years. So maybe that'll be one of the things we do is just like a little tour around the odd locations that the podcast has been picked up in and uh, <laughs> reporting back to, to folks. <laughs> um, Will Rennick, uh, actually, an email that made me cry <laughs> reading. So thank Aww. you. So- um and the comparison to richard uh richard herring and stuart lee um could not have been kinder uh to two people that i uh absolutely idolize uh as a duo and separately so thank you so much um and yeah, in richard herring's terms one of the absolute godfathers of podcasting uh, so yeah um, really appreciate that uh on twitter there was uh mentions from matt henshaw um He's he's going to keep the theme tune as his ringtone, which is uh, which is great. Um, hopefully, we'll be in the same vicinity and it'll just be really uh, discordant to hear the different gravy theme tune blasting out of somebody's phone. Um, that would be great. Um, Aaron Johnson, uh, very very sweet message. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoying the sort of laughs through the years and. Um, maybe helping him with his own headspace. It's definitely helped with our headspace. So uh, we appreciate that, that, that fact is that echo, that sentiment is echoed. Um, uh, and then the reply, I, I struggle with, I, I don't know whether it's because I'm getting old, but Twitter doesn't seem to work so well, but thanks for, for Dan Fudge uh, having, sending through a positive message. Uh, thanks to M. Um, a lot of thanks to Em. That was, that was really sweet to hear. That was a lovely tweet that she put out. And uh, I also love the comparison that it sound like two friends chatting shit at a sleepover, which is uh, yes. is is a wonderful little image. <laughs> yes. If I ever need it, you know, I wish I, I had that image of that level of coziness. But I'm glad that we, <laughs> I'm glad that we put that across. Thank you. I mean, frequently one or other of us have been in our pajamas, so that's um... <laughs> that's, that's fair. I am I am wearing I am wearing like joggers that are inside. There you go. Inside house joggers. RN. Yeah. <laughs> uh anything else to pick up there? Oh, a few big things. So Novelty Islands uh is a beautiful, sweet message. Kev said something incredibly sweet as well. Um referencing is it WH is it WH Auden? 
Is it the funeral oh, yes. kind of poem? Pour away the ocean, sweep up the wood, for nothing now can come to no good. Two nails as well. Also, Mark, did we mention Mark Etches? Um, yes. Yes, should mention Mark. Yeah, apologies. Uh, Rocket Owl and Bill as well. So it's given us a lot of sweet messages over the Yeah, thank you so much for the period. Thank you. And I hope you can tell it's not a decision we've taken lightly um, to, to reach. <laughs> but, uh, as the fact we've been blubbering messes through through most of uh, most of the the, the uh, today's offering. Um, do you want to just quickly run through some highlights of the time making the podcast? Any sort of favourite memories or episodes or bits that have uh, stood out? through the years oh you, you know i love the special episodes i've i've loved this one i've loved um i, I don't know if it comes across very well but I, I i don't know if people can tell but i really enjoyed writing bits yes. when i get to do that i liked i like the ability to for me to get a bit creative with that something big so i hope it i hope it comes across as i don't know a tenth of the well is the way it it wants to come across so mm. i really enjoyed the episodes we did on um on kind of a top 10 goals i've enjoyed yeah. the interviews i've enjoyed a lot of the special episodes we've done um i enjoyed I, even though i i trod it out again and you know surprised you with some cameos <laughs> i enjoyed the first time i did that and it's rebecca lucy taylor yes who, um i really tried desperately hard to get an interview with her yes that would be one person outside of the football sphere who really really wanted an interview with i just think she's uh, incredible even though i'm a bit less taken with the second album um her, her self-esteem project you just um, became stratospheric too quickly to talk i guess so we we didn't get a chance to jump on jump on her coattails i guess yeah. or something along those lines but uh yeah someone who i, I admire just think is a remarkably creative creative interesting funny charismatic person who swaps Wednesday as well. And I would have loved to have had them on the podcast, but that wasn't meant to be, but uh, it was nice to give you that shout out and surprise you for the first time, Rich. Yeah. On that one was good. Um, I liked it when we got the, uh, the Wednesday mascot as a printout in the pandemic time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we could see. That was funny. The, we could see on the footage. Um, interviewing. Make those games a lot easier to watch. Because we're just watching out for James Alconnor rather than having to watch the uh, very poor product on display on the pitch. Yeah, the mild, the mild drift towards <laughs> towards possible relegation, which we seem to have. Um, I think one of your babies was probably my my favorite overall episode. I loved the musical episode. I think it's really it was really nice to just see the the breadth and. Um, uh, scale of different songs that have been put together about Wednesday, for Wednesday, through the years, and it was fun to do. It's a fun break from what we what we normally do, and mm-hmm. it was nice to see you kind of manning the soundboard, playing things through. So that was that was a real treat. Lo- I love that. Um, I, similarly, I've enjoyed. I think I've enjoyed all the interview episodes. In a way, it might have been interesting to do, and maybe in the future, if there is uh, episodes in the future, it might be more along those lines. But um, uh, I love talking to to Matt Exton about. Uh, yes, thank you. I apologize. I was about to try and bring up, and I forgot Matt's surname, so I apologize. But um, that and, was really nice. Yeah, and the last couple of weeks with the the, the interviews of Suze and uh, and uh, your dad as well have been really great. Um, 
I, I just like those moments when we're able to stretch our legs and do something a bit a bit sort of out of the ordinary. Um, uh, I've also loved the uh, the interactions where people have kind of picked up on things where there was a mention of the toast cockney toaster repairman like those moments when things that because you and I just sit on a zoom call and talk and it's hard we're not very conscious I think that's one of the nice things we're not conscious of the fact often there's a wider audience but those Mm. moments when that when the audience has reacted um to things that have been in the podcast have always been enjoyable um so that um I just picked out a couple of those that stood out there was the air I offer being made reality kind of by Lord Hillsborough's yeah um and uh, apologies because I haven't got the name of the person that did it so apologies for this but also Stephen Fletcher's Gooch Candle um becoming a becoming a reality as well was that was Mike D wasn't it I believe was it Mike D yeah so that was just those things like that where it's just like this is just something silly that we kind of came up with in the moment um and uh, and then to sort of see it see it made life was uh, was really was got a real kick out of um, and just to kind of have a broader spectrum on things I think the fact that nearly always regardless of results league position etc um, I tend to always feel much better after we've talked it through and talked together and uh, it's a testament to hopefully the camaraderie we share but also. Uh, yeah, the, the the efforts and things that you've put into the the whole podcast, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Rich. I feel the same. I uh, I always wanted to. I don't know. I I tried. I I think you know. I, I tried to really give so much, and I thought it would just be fun to just have something slightly slightly different to what everyone else is doing, which is fantastic as well. And mm. the world of Wednesday podcasts. But we're well served as a fan base, aren't we? Podcast wise, very much so, very much so. And as I'm very, I'm very proud of that. We got to add add a little bit to that picture, to that kind of mosaic. Um, but I, I think also the maybe just covering the matches and getting into it, and and these special episodes we've done mm. for me, it just I always kind of think it's like a love letter to Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, um, I mean we're all Wednesday, aren't we? We're, we are all Wednesday. Um, I think we should probably wrap things up before we just melt into bubbles of tears Um, but yeah just to reiterate thank you so much folks for listening Um, you're in charge of your own lives so you can do what what you like but uh, we'd encourage you to maybe stay subscribed because there might be things further down the line Uh, but um, yeah it's been mostly an absolute pleasure (laughs) (laughs) and that's why it's difficult to say goodbye uh but yeah thank you folks for listening thank you luke and uh be kind to each other be kind to yourselves (laughs) um and i'm I'm gonna say cheerio thank you everybody for listening thank you ever so much and uh yeah i'm gonna say goodbye too see everyone bye Oh, 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 oh,